following message is distributed by the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City. More information is available at our website, www.slcevfree.org. By how the gospel was transforming the people over there in that random city, Thessalonica. But after he left, the same thing happened. Persecution, since Paul was gone, it then turned on to the people there in the church. And they were facing physical persecution, but also an attack on the truth of the gospel and the character of Paul and his fellow laborers. And we here in America, I don't know if any of you have been physically persecuted for the gospel here. I think often we find that other persecution where the truth that we teach and share and, and just talk about in our lives, that's attacked as foolishness. Or some of the people, pastors, teachers, evangelists who share the scriptures, they're ridiculed, sometimes for legitimate reasons, many times not. So we're going we're gonna to look at, at more than just verses 3 through 6 as we read through here. Because I want you to see that there is a bigger context in which these verses come from. And, and, and this section, Paul isn't just defending the gospel and, and his ministry while in that city, but also laying down a pattern for Christians to follow. If you want, you can go online and listen to Jed's sermon. But the first pattern that, that we talked about was boldness in proclaiming the gospel. And today we're going to talk about integrity and, and how that affects us as a person and also the message we bring should be brought in its fullness, intact. So let's, let's look at 1 Thessalonians uh, chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. And let's actually, let's pray before we, we, we jump into the text. Lord God, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that, that we live in a place right now where we, we probably won't face physical persecution for our faith in you. But, Lord, you know that we are persecuted. We are mocked. We are made fun of because we believe that you and you alone are the Savior. Lord, ready our hearts to hear your words. Lord, I pray that you, you give me clarity of thought, the ability to speak clearly, also. Lord, I also pray that you will continue to help me to be humble as I present your truths. Let the focus not be on me, but on you. Lord, I pray these things in your name. Amen. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. For you yourself know, brothers, that our coming to you was not in vain. But though we had already suffered and been shamefully treated at Philippi, as you know, we had boldness in our God to declare to you the gospel of God in midst of much conflict. For our appeals did not spring from error or impurity or an attempt to deceive 
But just as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. For we never came with words of flattery, as you know, or with a pretext for greed, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from people, whether from you or from others, though we could have made demands as apostles of Christ. But we were gentle among you, like a nursing mother takes care of her own children. So being affectionately desirous of you, we were ready to share with you not only the gospel of God, but also our own selves, because you have become very dear to us. For you remember, brothers, our labor and our toil. We work night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you while we proclaim the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless was our conduct towards you believers. For you know how like a father with his children will exhort each of you and encourage you and charge you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. There, there was this Scottish theologian and pastor. Um, his name was, was James Denny. And, and he once said that a Christian who has lost character has lost everything. If, if we as Christians are not people of integrity, we're, we're, we're no different from the rest of the world. If we have no integrity, we are very poor ambassadors of the God of truth. We're to be imitators of this God. The message that was boldly proclaimed in the city of Thessalonica was taught by men of integrity and brought with just, right, good reasons and purposes. So my goal today is, is, is to bring three, three observations, three things from the text that should not only challenge us to have a character that, that shows integrity, but that we bring a message that is in full, intact, and clear. So that, that the first observation I have is, is that we Christians, a manipulated gospel has lost its integrity and is no longer good news. So we, we as Christians, we, we must remember that a manipulated gospel has lost its integrity and is no longer good news. Again, remember, as Paul left the city, this church is bombarded with these false claims that, that, that the message was, was, had errors, that it was impure, that, that they did it to deceive you. Just like all the other religious harlots or whatever who come through the city seeking to fill their pockets, and once they are lined with your money, they leave. So Paul is adamant against this. It's interesting because as he defends his case, it isn't the focus of me. I'm a great person. I am so amazing. 
I would never trick you because of my amazement and because of how good I am and because I wanted everybody to like me. He's saying, we cared for you like, like a mother, like a father. I came with integrity not so that you looked at me like an amazing man of God, but so that you would see God. There was no trick in what I did. I'm not going to give you a piece of something knowing that you need all of it. So he, he comes and, and he's, he's defending how they came with the message. He's saying, you are our witness. God was our witness. He tests our hearts. He knows our true motives. He became so desirous of them. He loved them. If these charges are true, he's almost saying, if if this is true, then, then the faith that we brought you, the promises that you are putting your trust in, the amazing things I just encouraged you for doing, wouldn't have occurred with some other gospel, with some other diluted truth. Your faith would be pointless. Remember the integrity of the message that we brought you and stay the course. So as I read this and I'm preparing for this and I'm like, right on, Paul, you're the man. I, then I realize, don't we do that though? Don't, don't we manipulate the message so, so that it's more easily, more easily accepted? Don't we, we, we try to conform Christ to, to meet our selfish desires or, or change the message so that people would be on board with it? Maybe we, we tweak Christ and, and what we have in Him. What He gives us isn't enough, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to add something in there that makes it a little more palatable. Or maybe we soften the sin part because God forbid we offend somebody. Or maybe, maybe we just leave that part of repentance. We, let's leave that off because, you know, they're good enough the way they are. If they have to change, man, we're asking a lot. Just continue in your sin. It's all right. Why do we do this? I mean, think about it. There, there have been times where, where, where maybe you have had the opportunity to share and, and, and you know you intentionally left something off. We as Christians are forever indebted for this amazing message. We know that we have been changed, but yet when we have the opportunity to talk about it, we kind of snake around certain parts of it. And, and, and sometimes, I mean, we're just so... We're so ashamed of Christ or the gospel message that, that we don't say anything. I mean, why do we do this? It's, it's actually pretty simple. We fear man. We fear man. Our highest priority is not the glory of God and that others may be glad in Him. Our highest priority is that people like us that we are exalted in the eyes of men, in the eyes of our friends, our co-workers, whoever it might be. 
We want them to like this. We want them not to think that we're crazy because we have faith in a first century event story that they, they look at us like we're crazy because that happened all that years ago. Come on, you don't even know that's true. We, or maybe we, we manipulate it in a way that because we have this faith, look at how holy and great we are. And they praise us for our great moral values. Our greatest fear isn't persecution. Our greatest fear is being rejected. And that fear imprisons us to silence. In our desire to produce results, we'll we'll distort the gospel, making it into something that people want to hear. That's that, that's easy on them. I mean, there, there, there's entire church movements based on these false gospels. I mean, there's, there's the prosperity gospel, which I pretty much sum up to my students, is the idea that God gives you your idols. I mean, really? Is that what we read in the scriptures? You know, or... or or uh, this universalism is like in creeping into some churches and stuff like that. This idea that it's really not that important what you believe or because we all end up in heaven eventually. All one big happy party. And, and, and I find it interesting that pastors teach that because it's like, why teach anything else? Why even preach the gospel? What's the point of it if everybody ends up in the same place? Having a party in heaven. You know, or, or work-based faith, this idea that grace from God isn't a free gift. It's something you earn through your actions, through your, your great moral deeds. Or one that's, that's becoming very popular with young people. I don't know if it's an actual, it's a religious system, but I don't know if there's a church that says this is what we believe. But it's this idea of moralistic, therapeutic deism. You know, it's a lot of words. But it's this idea that really all that some God, a God, there is a God, but really all he wants is you just to be really good and and to love one another and that there's equality and we all hold hands and sing songs and feel good about ourselves. Where does this stuff come from? I mean, it's, it's not in the Bible. We, we, we dilute the message because it makes us feel happy. And we know that someone will, yeah, you know, I want that. I'll go for that. Jesus will give that to me? Awesome. You know, the gospel is a complete package. You ever, you ever make a puzzle and you're missing that one piece? And I mean, it could be a huge puzzle, like a million-piece puzzle or something. That one piece, your eye always goes right there, and you're just like, this, this stinks. This is a great picture, except right there, it's missing something. That's the gospel. If, if, if you can't have the fullness if you pull a piece out of it. Just like the same if you have that million-piece puzzle, and then you go into the closet, and you pull out your kid's five-piece puzzle from when they were one, and you try to shove a gigantic puzzle piece into a million-piece puzzle. 
It just doesn't look right. You know, you got like the New York skyline and then a, a, a wing of a duck. Is, what, what is that? But that's what we're doing when we're trying to appease people and make the gospel friendlier or, or, or easier to accept. And I, I, I know I've shared this with some of the guys on, on Thursday night, and I don't know if I've ever shared it here, but we had this opportunity one time. Uh, we were at, at my house, and, and a neighbor came over and said, like, I know, I know you work with teenagers. Do you, do you work with adults too? And, and I said, yeah, what's going on? And she said, well, it's my kids, and, and I don't know what to do with them. And I know that they're good kids, and they're just like, they just need some help. And, and as soon as she's going on, in the back of my head, it starts coming up like, you need to say something. But if you say what you want to say, she's going to be offended. Or she might look at you like you're crazy. And those of you who were at the business meeting the other day know Jeff encouraged me on this. I'm not a thinker. I'm a blurter. <laughs> right? So before I know it, before I can fully process it, it comes out. You know, actually, I don't think our kids are really naturally good. I think they're sinful. And that not just kids, like I'm sinful. And I think that's my natural state. And there was that pause for that minute. And you see her face change. I'm like, oh, no. But she actually, I never thought of it that way. That actually makes a lot of sense. You know, we gave her some stuff to read to help her, and, and my wife has had some conversations with her, and I have too, and, and it's this, this idea that, like, you know, really having perfect kids isn't the be-all, end-all. You know, having a great life and an awesome job and a nice house and a sweet boat and, and all these things, that, that isn't the epitome of life. I mean, if you want the perfect life, it's never, ever going to happen. Because if you're married, you have two sinful people trying to cohabit in a small space. And then add in five kids, for example. <laughs> it's not going to happen. I mean... We're striving to glorify God in our lives, but there are flaws that will continue to happen until I am glorified in the presence of God. And you know why the problems are going to disappear? Is because my focus isn't on me when I'm in heaven anymore. My focus is on Christ. I mean, if you, if you want to have kids who maybe are a little more gracious or, 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 or look more like Christ, maybe you should actually teach that to them. Don't think that if you just believe this thing, some miraculous thing is going to happen and a pot of gold is going to show up at the end of the rainbow that happened to be in your backyard, your kids are going to walk out and be super obedient. Like, that's not the gospel. I can't. I tell this to, to the students and to people. Like, I can't find anywhere in the Bible where it says... Here, now, in this world, you follow the gospel and troubles will fade away. The gospel's not some man-made religious system. It was a plan that God had before time. It was an actual event, and it actually accomplished its purposes. 
The gospel is an offer and an application to live life through. It is a promise of things present and of amazing things in the world to come. If you take a piece of that away, or, or you, you, you manipulate it, you, you, like, like they were saying, the, these, these things that they were saying about Paul and his laborers, that they were trying to please man, Paul's saying, do you remember what I said to you? The fear of man breaks the integrity of the proclaimer. If I fear you more than I fear the Lord, I will change everything to make you pleased. This one singular gospel message is not just good news. It is the most amazing news. And it was given to us Christians to share with a lost and dead world. I got news for you. It's not dying. It is dead. We have one gospel. This brings me to my second observation. Christian, you are entrusted with God's gospel. Not, not in this letter, but very often when Paul introduces himself in letters, he says, hey, this is Paul, a servant of Christ. He's responsible to somebody. If you are a servant of somebody, you are responsible to that person. We're called to be stewards of God's gospel, not man's gospel, God's gospel. We're going to give an account. Paul touches on that here where where he says, we spoke not to please man, but to please God who tests our hearts. I have to give an account. It is not to you, man. It is to my heavenly Father, the one who has given me this mission, the one who has given me his gospel to share with you. A servant or, or, or a steward, someone of that, that, that time period, like they were given a responsibility to do something and they were not allowed to overstep what they were told to do. There were limits. This is all you can give. This is all the people you have oversight over. This is all the money that you're to take care of. Not this money. That's not yours. Not these people. They're not your responsibility. This You can't take more. You can't put more into that. This is what I have given you. That is your job. And the same thing is true as a steward that you can't add into it, but you can't neglect the job that you were given. When we distort the gospel, we distort people's understanding of God. 
whether we turn him into, you know, some happy, smiling guy who skips around on clouds and loves everybody and everybody ends up in heaven and this great big party with him. Or you turn him into some sort of genie that you rub and he gives you whatever it is your desires are. That's distortion of God. It is not the God of the Gospels. Never confuse whose gospel we are to share with the world. I'm going to go off here on a little tangent. I have some notes, but that don't make sense to me right now. God's gospel is His plan to give Himself to His people. God's gospel focuses on Him and His work in salvation. God, God's gospel brings us to His glory, into His rest, so that we can enjoy Him forever. I mean, it's... It's God's gospel that initiates who we are. We were dead before God changed us. You're dead. Dead things don't come alive outside of God. It's God's gospel that transforms us. It's God's gospel because it glorifies Him. Do you get that? The end goal of the gospel is Him glorified, not me. That's His gospel. The message we are entrusted with has to be saturated, literally dripping with the Lord. If it is lacking in that, it's, it's, it's not His message. If the gospel's about something that you have done that now He's like, wow, that's amazing, you did that. Here, let me give you something. The glory is now on you and the works that you've done and not on Him. We are entrusted with God's only gospel these other false man-made gospels that are out there, which I think it's funny that, that we even as Christians call them false gospels. Like, it's not good news. Why do we call it gospel? You can't have false good news. Because then it's not good news anymore. It's, it's bad news. You know, it's, 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 it's just, it's a distortion. It leads to death. How is death good news? Hey, I got a great plan for you. You do this, you're going to end up with nothing and dead. You want to sign up? Like, that's what a false gospel is. When we put our faith in the true gospel of our Lord, we're, we become properly aligned with Him. It's just like, I'm here, here, I, I get the gospel. There's an alignment. Notice where I go. I'm here. He's here. Alignment. It's not me. It's me. 
We no longer fear man. We exalt God because we now have a proper fear of Him. Our integrity cannot stand before the fear of man. But when I am in God's gospel, when I have been changed by His message, the fear of man fades because my focus isn't on you anymore. My focus is on the Lord. This singular gospel should have a severe, a severe effect on us. If you are a believer, you should have been severely affected by this message. You cannot, you cannot be the same. You can't go on living life trying to please man and trying to please God at the same time. Because if that's the case, your faith is not in His gospel. It's in something else. You cannot do that. We are not the same. We have been justified. We have been deemed righteous before God. Because of His approval, I am now entrusted to send out this message. He approves of me. I love that. I love that. My integrity will not be shaken because the sovereign God approves of me. Which brings me to that, the third point. Through the gospel, you are approved by God. So find your integrity here. You have been approved by God. Find your integrity there. The gospel shows me that, that even when I was an enemy, like an enemy, he left me and he died for me. It shows me a gracious Savior who did something that I am incapable of doing. Not only being perfect, but suffering the wrath that I might stand righteous before the Father. I mean, He loves me. He has transformed me. He approves of me. If you are a Christian and this true gospel is what you have put your faith in, that is true of you. He loves you. He is changing you. He approves of you. Let that sink in there. You are approved by God. I mean, that's what Paul is saying here in, 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 in the passage. He says here in verse 4, But just as I have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, so we speak not to please man, but to please God. He approves of me. God. He's the one I want to please. Not you. This I, I've, I think I've done this, jumped to this passage in one way or another in the last like four times I've preached. F- keep your finger in there, but flip over to Romans 8. If, 
If I had to like rip out one page of my Bible, I think it might be this one right now. Romans 8. We're going to read, start in 31 and, and go to the end of the chapter there. But What then shall we say of these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, he was raised. Who is at the right hand of God? Who indeed is interceding for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword. For it is written, for your sake we are being killed all day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loves us. For I, I, for I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things past or present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. You're approved. If He is willing to give His beloved Son for you, Who can separate us from Him? There may be things that we fear for a moment, but let us quickly cling to the Gospel and reminded that nothing, nothing should be feared when compared to God. Nothing will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. I, I um, man, sometimes I really wish I was smart. Because then I might have some words that can justify what that is saying. I, maybe you are the smartest person in this room here. I'm, I'm, I'm confident that you have no words to fully Show the gratitude that you have that the Lord approves of you. Of me. I mean, some of you people know me, but you don't really know me. You are approved. There is nothing better to be approved by. The FDA has nothing on God. Like, you, you are approved by God. This, this gospel, this radical message is often offensive because it strips us down to our finite sinfulness. It, it opens our hearts to the, to the truth that you are incapable of doing anything about it. But that's not the whole message. God thought of me. He sent Christ to suffer the wrath that I deserve for my sins, my cursing, my adultery, my murder, 
my literally looking at him and saying, ah, this looks way better. This boldness that Paul brings the gospel amidst much conflict is, is rooted in the approval of God. They could have watered it down. They could have made it easier and more acceptable and safe to preach. But they were approved by God. You can strip my integrity. Or you can try at least. It's not going to happen. There's nothing you have to offer that would make me crumble or or, or falter in my integrity because my integrity is not found in you. It's found in the Lord. He approves of me. You might find me foolish, but you're no God. You have nothing to give me. People are making claims that I came there for your money. What's money to me? It's nothing. I have the approval of God. They're saying that I I tricked you so that you would believe it. Why? Why would I do that? The message I brought you is the same message that got me beaten and thrown out of the last towns I was in. Do you remember? I shared that with you. I shared how I was mistreated in Philippi and that's why I ended up here. That's the same gospel that I shared with you. Am I about wealth? Am I about an easy life? That's not the gospel I brought. Because if that was the case, they would have brought me with, they would have welcomed me with open arms in the last city I was in. Paul is, he's he's reiterating these points, especially when he starts talking about this this comparison of a mother and and of, of a father, this idea like, I loved you. I became desirous of you. Why would I give you a lie? Why would I keep you from the fullness of God? You're like kids to me. If you're a parent, you know that. And why would you keep something good from your kids? He's saying, no, I... I didn't lie. I didn't run off with pockets full of money. I didn't, you know, tweak the message to make it sound good. There is is a benefit to this message. And it's life abundantly in Christ. Not in here, not in this stuff. In Christ. I loved you. I'm not going to trick you and give you a stone. This 
message that is radical. It's offensive. It's, it's hard to hear. I gave it to you because I loved you. No ulterior motives here. Believers, our integrity should not falter when we face challenges, when we face fear. We are approved by God. We don't need man's praises. How quickly they fade. We don't need to manipulate the truth to please people. Our integrity is firmly rooted in Christ. We already have Him. He has us and has promised to keep us. That is good. For me, standing up here, I'm going to speak for the, the rest of the pastoral staff here. We're not here to entertain you. We're not here to encourage your selfish pursuits, glory or whatever it might be. We're not here to aid you in securing idols. We're not going to ever manipulate this gospel. I know that all three of us have spent much time on our face petitioning and praying God for wisdom that we will not bring you a message with error or full of impurities or seeking our praise or our name being lifted up like, man, you need to come because you know, Pastor Steve's amazing and you know Pastor Jed's awesome and, and well, Kurt's really good too. Like, we want you to go and say, you need to come to our church because you'll meet God. The fullness of Him here. You should see how God uses these three messed up, fallen, finite men. Their boldness doesn't come from their confidence of understanding Scripture, but in being approved with a message and only one message. That message brings life. There is one Christ who redeems. There is one message by which people are saved and brought into a redeemed relationship with God. The gospel is a singular message. That same gospel from the first century is what you will hear here in the 21st century. You believers sitting here have been entrusted with that very same message to share. And that message alone. Because no other message is worth anything. Be like Paul. Be like the godly man down throughout the ages of the church who said, I will not corrupt this message because you are the king of the land and you want this. I will not corrupt this message because that means these people will stop pursuing me, wanting to burn me, drown me, beat me. My integrity is rooted in the true gospel. I will stand before the world with this integrity as an approved, beloved child of the Almighty God.
if you, if you choose this gospel, if you choose this message, watch, be aware, like watch how naturally the gospel flows uninhibited with integrity from your lips. Let's pray. Lord, apart from you, we are nothing. With you, Lord, we have everything. Lord, let us find our integrity in you. Let us not bring a message that, that sounds sweet and, and, and pleasing to our sinful nature. But as approved children of the Holy King, let us bring the radically offensive message that does become the sweetest news we have ever heard. Lord, let us not fear man over you. Let us not be ashamed of the thing that we are saved by. Let us boldly, with joy, shout live through the gospel. But I pray that we also come to you repentant when we have traded that truth in for a lie. When we have been ashamed or embarrassed of what people might think, Lord, and have left off pieces or, or, or just flat out didn't speak out of fear, Lord. Please forgive us of those things. Renew our hope and joy in you that it would be so easily spilling out in our conversations. Not just when we are around fellow Christians, Lord, but when we are around those who are lost, those who are dead, let us bring the message of life to them. The full message. Nothing more, nothing less. Let us bring them you. We pray these things in your blessed Son's name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message recorded at the Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City in Salt Lake City, Utah. Feel free to make copies of this message to give to others, but please do not charge for those copies or alter the content in any way without permission. We invite you to visit our website at www.slcevfree.org or call us directly at area code 801-943-0091. Our mailing address is... Evangelical Free Church of Salt Lake City, 
6515 South Lion Lane, Salt Lake City, Utah, 84121.